Well, good morning again. You see in our title there, our sermon title for today as we close out another year is Faith for the Finish Line. Faith for the Finish Line. Won't you pray with me? God, you have been consistently present in our lives. As we think about what you have done in these spaces and times of worship, we are marveled at how you have moved through songs and liturgy and preaching and hospitality and smiles and offerings. Whether we've been in person or online, God, this is really just a testament of how you can take one service and speak to so many people with so many needs. Like that is, that is a miracle in and of itself. So God, as I come to my last sermon of, of, of this year in this space, I stand on the prayer that I prayed so many times before, that I pray that as the word goes out, that it shall not come back void. This is my hope and prayer in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Faith for the finish line. There's a story that has gone viral over the past few weeks, over, over, over the past few days, surrounding the words from the former CEO of the phone company of Nokia. The speech occurred years ago, but I think it's resurfaced over the past few days because we're getting closer to the end of the year. And in this speech, he was addressing the recent buyout of his, of his company, and as he reflected back on their work, he admitted that they had done nothing wrong. They didn't do anything wrong. But somehow they still lost. His words brought him and many of his colleagues, it brought them to tears. Knowing that so much of their lives were about to change, they were, they were brought to tears. I mean, they weren't involved in any kind of scandals or cover-ups. But the major mistake, was they, they didn't learn and change. They didn't seize the many opportunities they had throughout the year to grow and to develop, and they weren't open to evolving. I mean, they started off really strong, but they couldn't finish. And I think in some ways it reminds each of us of the same opportunities to look back at how we've grown and look ahead to even greater possibilities. It's an invitation to not only start strong, but also to finish strong. So I want to use a familiar narrative as a lens to how we view the close of one year and how we plan for another year. Because every year in some ways it's a journey. It's a journey of 365 days. It's a journey of 52 weeks. It is a journey of 12 months filled with everything imaginable and unimaginable. It's, it's filled with gains and it's filled with losses. It's filled with joy and sorrow, with tears and laughter. And it's a journey that's nearly impossible without faith. 
In fact, many people start off really strong. They start off with great intentions. In fact, some of you are already thinking now of the resolutions that you want to have. And some of you have the same resolutions every single year. It is why the gyms are packed. It is why all throughout we are trying in some ways to start off with great intentions, with vigor and with excitement and a long list of plans. But how can we develop the faith to not only start strong, but also to finish strong as we journey throughout 365 days and 52 weeks and 12 months? And what better story to highlight like the faith needed for reaching any finish line than the Magi in Matthew 2 that set out on this long journey just to see Jesus. Because the faith really is essential to us finishing out the year or seeing anything through to completion, their journey reminds us that faith is not a race. I mean, think about it. These were not overly religious people who are journeying to worship him. These were not people who had a deep understanding of Jewish law or tradition. They were not part of the elite or inner circle. They are mere outsiders that were willing to take a journey. And I don't know if this was part of their plan or if they knew this or not before they started, but it is believed that their journey took them up to two whole years. So after two years, they arrive in Bethlehem. After two years, their goal was still the same. After two years, they still had the same symbolic gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh to offer and to give to Jesus. And yet, nowhere in our discussion do we devalue the impact of their journeys because of the chronological order of their arrival. I mean, some could suggest that they were fashionably late. Who arrives to a baby shower two years later? I mean, I've heard of of making an entrance, but this is ridiculous. They journey for two whole years and show up. Like everything's okay. I mean, let's be honest. Let's be honest. When we tell the story, have you ever realized that they were not the first people that arrived? I mean, if this was a race, they would have lost a long time ago. If this was a race, their journey would be a failure. If this was a race, we would be discussing and comparing them to everyone that crossed the finish line before them. Because chronologically, the shepherds beat them by long shot. And we don't know this for certain, but surely these were not the only people that visited Jesus the first two years of his birth. And yet, nowhere do we devalue their journeys because of the chronological order of their arrival. In fact, we do the opposite. We sing about their arrivals. We depict their lateness in our nativity scenes. 
We don't devalue their gifts. We don't devalue their presence. We don't devalue their journeys, their efforts, their wisdom, or even their expression of faith. We don't ascribe value to their arrival time because we know that it wasn't a race. The mere fact that they showed up makes their story worthy of being told year after year after year. In fact, think of it like this. Does this look familiar? Does that look familiar to you? I mean, have you ever been to an airport or any place of transportation for that matter and you needed an update on the arrival or departure times? Well, if you have, you probably ended up in front of a screen just like this, that had hundreds and hundreds of times. And you saw planes coming and leaving from different cities, and each of these cities came with different expectations of time. Some came early, some came late. Some flights had even been delayed. And watch this. And yet, when you see all of these different times, we naturally don't ascribe value just to the earlier times. In some ways, it wouldn't be fair because some flights are coming from a longer distance. Some flights have more flights coming, some cities have more flights coming in and out of them, and it would be unfair to compare. I mean, not only do we not ascribe value to the varying times, but for the most part, we ignore all of the times. We bypass all of the varying different times and we overlook all of the arrival and departure times because in most instances when we find ourselves there, whose times are we worried about? Our own. Oh, I'm going somewhere with this. We don't compare our times because whose time are we focused on? Whose times are we looking out for? Which time is the one that matters to us the most? Too bad we don't use the same discipline in our own life or in our spiritual journeys. Listen, you said it, not me. Too bad we don't, we, don't, we don't leave. Too bad we leave the discipline at the airports and don't incorporate them into our everyday lives because one of the most dangerous and unhealthy practices that we can do is, and participate in is comparing our journeys and arrival times to someone else as though there is a different value with chronological arrival times. Too often we approach God and our walk with God and our journeys of faith as though it was a race, as if chronological orders were the most vital thing. Who, get, who got there first? Who finished first? Who's further ahead? Who's progressing faster? And unfortunately, we start assigning value to our own journeys and others based on unfair times of expectation. But whose time should we be focusing on? Now, this might disappoint some of you, but the only person you are racing is yourself. Because whose time should you be focusing on? 
because everybody has different journeys and different starting points and different destinations and different things that they must overcome. In fact, the people who showed up last had the most to offer. The people who had the latest arrival times showed up with gold and frankincense and myrrh, and their gifts did not decrease in value based on when they arrived. Why? Because faith is not a raise. In some ways, the arrival time, I think, is really admirable. But we only tell one side of the story. Year after year, we keep reminding the world about these gifts that the, uh, that the Magi brought to Bethlehem, and we talk about the gifts that they were bearing. We talk about the gold and the frankincense and the myrrh. But when we do that and only focus on that, I think we shortchange the totality of the story. Because if I only give you a picture of the destination, then I don't adequately portray the amount of faith and perseverance it took in order for them to get there. If we only focus on what they had to bring, I can unintentionally leave out all of the things they had to overcome. We make their journey so simple. I mean, in most nativity scenes, they are well-dressed, their hair is in place, their clothes are clean. It looks like they just got off of the plane, freshened up, and grabbed their bags and took an Uber to Bethlehem. But remember, it took them two whole years to get there and all we focus on is the destination and their gifts but it's important to include their entire journey because what we bring is dependent on our ability to endure and overcome certain things along the way we must ask ourselves is our faith strong enough to persevere it's not a question of gifts but a question of resolve we see their gold we see their frankincense and myrrh and we see the value of all of their gifts, but we don't hear about the arguments that, may, that they may have had along the way. Remember, this is too, have you ever traveled with somebody for two days? I mean, they are traveling with each other for two whole years. You know there's some arguments. We don't see moments when they second-guess themselves. We don't see the times that they were rained on. We don't see the times when they got scared. We don't see the valleys or the hills they had to climb. We don't see the times that they wanted to give up. And I'm sure during those two years, there was always a reason to turn around. They could have turned around when they, when, when they really considered how different they would be from the people in Bethlehem. They could have given up when they considered whether or not people would have been accepting and received uh, by this new king. They could have given up for fear that their request to see this new king would upset the current regime. Let's make this plain. There will always be a reason to turn around. There will always be a reason to give up along the journeys. There will always be some difficulty on every single journey. But arriving to any destination or completing anything requires more than just gifts. 
if we only focus on the destination, we're missing out on the totality of the story because following God's direction and reaching any finish line requires a certain amount of resolve. It requires a decision along the way to keep going. It requires a decision in those two years to keep pressing on. It requires a decision to keep staring at the star in front of them as they journey through difficult places as the days and the months and the weeks start to add up. In fact, there's a woman named Florence Chadwick that was the first woman to swim the English canal in both directions. One point in time, she set her eyes on swimming even greater distances. And on one particular morning, she got in the water to break another record, but on that particular day, the fog had been really thick. Hour after hour, she swam as best as she could with her family and, and large numbers of people. They were watching and they were cheering her on. And after swimming nearly 16 hours, all she could see was a thick layer of fog. Her body started to, to numb and people tried to encourage her in the nearby boats. There was a mother and her trainer there telling her not to give up, that she was almost there urging her not to quit, but at some point she gave up and asked them to pull her out of the water. When they pulled her out, she quickly learned that she was less than a mile from finishing. Sixteen hours! And less than one mile, that's when she asked for them to take her out. When asked by someone what happened, she said, look, I'm not, I'm not excusing myself, but if I could have seen land, I might have made it. It was not the fatigue or even the cold water that defeated her. It was the fog. It was the inability to see what was in front of her. She was unable to see her goal. She was unable to see her destination. So I think it's a word for us because even as we look back at another year, what are the things that God has tried to keep in front of you? Maybe you didn't call them goals or resolutions, but God placed something in front of you to keep you going through the ups and downs. For these magi, it was a star that was bright enough to move them and motivate them for two whole years. So my prayer for each of us is for God to send a star. It's for God to send a sign, a symbol, a reason, a why, a purpose, a connection, a goal, an assignment, a word, something so bright that it motivates and, and moves us for another year. My prayer is for the kind of faith that helps us see beyond the fog because people just don't give up because they're tired. They don't give up because they are without faith, they are just without a finish line, and they can't see the fog, and what a shame it would be for us to give up when we are so close. We can't just focus on the destination, but in order to not give up, there are some things that we must endure 
and overcome along the way. But notice what happens when they're done. Notice what happens when they reach the destination. In fact, I find this to be one of the most encouraging and challenging parts of their journey every single year because after traveling through who knows what, after two long years, they now have to go right back home. Two whole years. You ever traveled someplace and you had to stay longer just so you could feel like your journey wasn't a waste? Like it, it took us 18 hours to get here. We can't just stay for a day and, and leave because it's not really worth the journey. They travel for two long years. They worship Jesus. They bring their gifts. And now, we don't know exactly how much time has passed, but there's not been a whole lot of time that has passed. And now, they have to go right back home. They are, they are filled with joy. Now they have to do it all over again. All over again. Two years, all over again. They were excited with vigor. They were not all over again. Maybe it's a reminder that the ending of one journey is always the start of another one. Maybe it's a reminder that faith is never finished because God is always inviting us to another journey in our lives. We're always challenged to keep learning it, to keep evolving. I mean, when they see, when they see, and when they see Jesus, they offer the gifts, but now they got to return home. They have a long journey ahead of them. After two years, they have to start all over again. After two years, they had to get right back on the road. Another journey, more roads, new routes, and new timetables, and even when the timing seems quite inconvenient, I think it gives us a clear picture of grace. It gives us a clear picture of grace on the journey because it's a reminder to them that they're not required to linger or revel at one destination because grace gives us new journeys. Grace gives us fresh starts. Grace gives us opportunities to start fresh again. Maybe it's a reminder that faith gives us fresh starts. That's why I believe that this is the heart of faith. Because regardless of what happened in the year of 2023, you get a chance to experience a different journey. You and I get a chance to, to learn from the previous year, reflect on what God has brought us from, reflect on it, but now we're invited to turn the page and what a travesty it would be for another year to go by and we're still stuck in the same place. What a travesty, what a travesty it would be for God to give us another chance and we squander it because we simply want our faith experience to be on repeat. So maybe the critical question is what area in your life do you need a fresh start? Where do you need a new beginning in your life? Because the text says that they went a different way. 
this is adding so much complexity to the story. They come there, they come for two years, they've never been to Bethlehem, and now they got to go back a different way. This God is confusing. But they were warned in the dream about Pharaoh, so they committed to returning home. But this time they are going to take a different route. You see, faith for the finish line gives us the confidence that if God brought us through one journey, then God can also bring us through another, even if that journey is different than the one before. Even if that journey takes us on a different route, even if this journey has its own unique trials, its own unique tribulations, its own unique joys, its own unique sorrows, I don't know what 2024 will hold for each and every one of us. But the simple fact that you are here means that you made it. It means that you made it through the journey of 365 days and 52 weeks and 12 months. And maybe that is the invitation that God is asking us to participate in in the year of 2024, that we may have to go on another journey, but yet even if the journey is different, that doesn't mean that God is any less present with us because whenever these, wherever these new roads lead, we know that the same God can give us faith for this finish line because if God could see them through, for a difficult journey of two years, and they, and they arrived with their gifts still intact, even if God leads them a different way, different route, different roads, different journey, but same God. For 365 days, God has been present with, you, with each and every one of you. And that's the hope and faith that we take as we turn the page to another year. That the same God will be with us even on a different journey. Won't you pray with me? God, we don't always know where you'll lead us or how you'll lead us. We don't always know the particulars of the journey. I mean, all they, all they saw was a sign. No manual, no particulars, no fine prints. Really just learning and evolving along the way. We don't know what 2024 is going to bring. But a simple ask is that you would be our light that would lead and guide us each and every day, each and every month, each and every week. Because we can't make this journey without you. We don't just need gifts. We don't just need things. We don't, we don't need stuff to make it through. But we need the faith that only you can give. Faith that perseveres through finish lines. 
your name we pray. Amen.